Welcome to Adding Fuel to the Hire, a podcast for hiring managers and job seekers across all types of dealerships. With over 20 years collective recruitment experience, Rowan, Tony and Phil draw upon their knowledge to help you navigate through the recruitment and job hunt process. For more information, head to our website, addingfueltothehire.com. Welcome to episode one of Adding Fuel to the Hire. I'm Tony and with me today is Rowan Co. and Philip Leisader. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you going, Tony? I'm good, thank you. So episode one, um, no official title, I suppose, for this episode. It's more so just an introduction. <laughs> just a hello. Just a hello. Um, really just want to be able to paint a picture of uh, what you can expect in the upcoming series and uh, I suppose a bit about us and why we feel like we... Uh, can justify what we're talking about, <laughs> um, why you should potentially listen to us um, ultimately is where we want to get to. So um, a little bit about myself first. Um, if you didn't catch it at the start, my name is Tony Flynn. I am a co-director of Team Recruit, which are truck earth moving agricultural machinery recruitment specialists, as well as the co-founder of Dealership Jobs, a new platform coming to the Australian and New Zealand markets um, very shortly, uh, which will provide a, an opportunity for people to post advertisements specifically towards the dealership sectors. Um, previous to recruitment, I actually worked in law. Don't hate me for it. Um, <laughs> graduated uni a number of years back, um, worked in law firms for a, a number of years, specifically in criminal law. Um, must say I loved it. It was very interesting, but, uh, yeah, wasn't for me, I think, long term. <laughs> so, um, yeah, fell into a recruitment career, a, rec- a career in recruitment, I should say. Um, that was, uh, yeah, not by choice or design. It was just something that I fell into, and that was probably five, six years ago now. Um, and yeah, ended up uh, where I am today. So, I, yeah, previously worked in agricultural recruitment. So, I think uh, because of that, I think I have a soft spot still for the, the farm dealers out there uh, listening to this podcast. I think, yeah, ag is, is definitely where my heart is probably at in terms of recruitment. Um, but yeah, I suppose my knowledge um, beyond just recruiting is also in, in management and staff retention and, and hiring from an internal perspective. At a previous role, I was managing the the largest um, agricultural labour hire division in Australia. Um, so had uh, about 14 staff members within our team spread across a, a whole wide range of nationalities um, all throughout Australia. So um, yeah, I was responsible for, for managing that department and did a lot of recruitment through there, but also obviously just yeah, staff retention and, and how to keep those happy guys happy. So I've learned a lot through there, but also through a, a whole bunch of uh, seminars I've been to and worked closely with a number of uh, quite famous people within the HR recruitment world. Um, but yeah, I suppose that's mostly where my knowledge has come from. Um, what about you, Phil? Yeah, so um, a little, little similar to Tony in the sense of I, I sort of slipped into recruitment um, I think most people fall into it. It's not necessarily something you, um, you know, not a lot of eight-year-olds say, <laughs> I want to be a recruiter when I grow up. <laughs> um, I think it's just one of those things. I'm um, originally from a psychology background. Uh, I did an honours degree in psychology originally and um, been working in recruitment for the better part of the last sort of three years now. Um, similar to Tony, uh, originally started off in agricultural recruitment and um, been with Team Recruit now for the past 18 months, uh, mostly looking after the service department. Um, originally started off just focusing on technicians, but um, probably about 12 months ago now, I think we've uh, sort of expanded that to the whole department and, um, yeah, had sort of a little bit of a hand in helping out with a few things with um, dealership jobs as well, um, just bits and pieces here and there to, to, to get that off the ground. And, um, yeah, 
hear from Rowan, who's uh, by far the most experienced <laughs> out, of, out of the three. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I started and, and again, just uh, sort of fell into it. I, I come from a marketing background, having worked in, in retail shopping centres as marketing manager and and, uh, and loving technology. So I'm, a bit, I'm the, the IT manager uh, for Team Recruit. Um, so I'm, I'm the co-director and co-founder of, of Team Recruit and also the co-founder of uh, Dealership Jobs. So um, I've been working in recruitment and specifically dealership recruitment now since 2008. Um, spent about nine years working with automotive dealerships as well as heavy vehicle dealerships, so your truck, ag and earth-moving dealerships. Uh, and just in the last couple of years, I've shifted the focus solely on those uh, those heavy commercial uh, dealerships and, and uh, growing team recruits. So, um, yeah, my passion is, is, as I said, marketing and, and uh, you know, making sure that everything looks great and, and brand is on point and, uh, and getting those efficiencies and technologies in place. So I think uh, the three of us uh, are well complemented to each other with our strengths and uh, we all bring something to the table. We're all yeah. from very different backgrounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got the, the site guy, the marketing guy and the compliance legal guy. Yeah, so, <laughs> we, uh, we've got all, all avenues ticked off, which is good. But I suppose a, a really good point to start off with um, as an introduction is, is why we've decided to put the podcast together. Yeah. Um, obviously, the aim here is to add value to both employers and job seekers out there, um, specifically in our industries. But I think from an actual recruitment perspective, um, it, it's very, very important to get this process right. Um, probably more so obvious for the candidate side of things. When you are going to apply for a new job, you want to get it bang on and you want to nail this process purely from a point of view of putting your best foot forward and, and selling yourself well um, for all the obvious reasons. You want yeah. to be the one that stands uh, apart from the rest and gets the job. But I think from an employer's perspective, it's probably not as obvious as to why it's important to, to nail this process. Um, and I think a really good starting point for that is um, if you look through, historically speaking, um, the scope of recruitment now or the, the environment of recruitment now versus what it was, say, in the 70s, it's a, a completely different ball game, I suppose. If you look back at the 70s or even earlier than that, post-World War II, you had a, a huge boom of people coming back from service and, and joining the workforce. So there was a, a huge influx of employees and not many jobs on offer. Um, and then that kind of, uh, I suppose, continued and then the, the 70s hit and the baby boomers branched out and you know, grew up and, and joined the the workforce and suddenly you had all, you know, the highest booming uh, population rates uh, throughout the world entering the workforce. And, yeah. and, you know, once again, you had a huge number of candidates versus how many jobs were on offer. Mm. Fast forward to 2020 and, you know, most developed countries have a severely reduced um, birth rate compared to what it was 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, every, most countries, most developed countries have a skill shortage um, and, and, you know, I don't think Australia or New Zealand or these dealerships are uh, any exception to those rules. So um, I suppose what we're trying to get across in these podcasts is how you have to shift your mentality if you haven't already done so from, oh, you know, from a, I mean, from an employer's perspective, you know, oh, doesn't matter if this candidate doesn't work out, there'll be plenty more because there's not plenty more anymore. No. There's, no. <laughs> and it's, it's, yeah, every year it goes on, it's getting a, a smaller and smaller pool to go fishing in. Um, you know, it's no longer a pool, it's probably a puddle yeah. um, that you're fishing in now. So <laughs> it's making sure that your mentality is up to date with that because, yeah, we still see where, you know, the mentality of, oh, well, I'll pay, you know, really low wages and if they don't like it, they can go somewhere else. Yeah. 
Um, I think that's a very 1970s. Yeah, you know, all that notion of, oh, well, if they do a good job, their bonuses, they don't get fired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which we have heard before. Um, you know, oh, when you take a roll on, you say, oh, what's oh, that's the base rate. Do they have any incentives? And they go, oh, well, their incentive is if they do a good job, they won't get fired. <laughs> and so if, you know, if you're listening and at home or, or at work, wherever you are, and, you know, that's your mentality, then I, I urge you to change that. And, and hopefully this podcast series will, you know, lead you down that path and, and show you how it can be done quite easily. Um, but yeah, as far as a bit of a fun way of, of ticking off why it's important is we just wanted to go through a couple of examples that we've all seen as to, um, you know, how the recruitment process can fall over from an employer's perspective. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so delicate that, you know, the tiniest little difference in, in thoughts can completely ruin the, the whole outcome. Delicate is the word. Um, and yeah, th- these examples that we've come up with, they're very trivial, um, but it's just, a, and it's not to say that, you know, you'd make that mistake or it, it's justified, but the whole point of it is just, just to show that, um, yeah. you know, it, something so minute could really cost you. And I, I'll start with my example that I had about uh, 12 months ago now. I had a candidate, went through the process, interviewed great. They loved him, um, you know, ticked all the boxes. They talked about salary. They talked about, yes, there will be a company vehicle, but that was about it. But the salary was all detailed and, and specific. The job offer comes through and on the job offer, it's the company vehicle is a dual cab Nissan Navara. I thought nothing of it. I've got a Navara. There's nothing yeah. wrong with Navara. <laughs> and if you're listening out there, we're not taking sides in the Hilux Navara debate. It's, it's not what we're here for. But this candidate told, turned around and, um, yeah, when I presented the offer to him, turned around to me and said, oh, it's not going to be a um, – it's Navara, is it? And I said, yes, it's Navara. It's like, ah, oh, that's a shame. I'm going to have to decline the job. I said, oh, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I thought it would just be a, a dual cab Hilux. And I said, oh, why? What does that matter? He's like, oh, you know, there's just, there's not much, um, you know, I just spare parts are hard to get for Navaras in this particular town. I can't remember where it was. Um, and so he, he knocked the job back. And it just, I think at the time, it just really solidified in my mind, well, that is, I suppose, reminiscent of a time where someone has plenty of options. Yeah. Or... He knows he could have plenty of options. Like that's not a person that thinks, oh, well, I need this job desperately. Mm. You know, the jobs are, are few and far between the market. There's yeah. plenty of competition. Now, he was looking for something very, very specific, so much so that he couldn't stand to drive a vehicle that he didn't really want. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've had something similar. I've had someone um, do pretty much the same thing over he wanted a Prado and he got a Hilux. <laughs> Uh, I had another guy knock back a job because they spelled his name wrong on the contract. Um, it was a simple name. It was a four-letter name. I don't know why they got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but these things happen, and um, it, it, they really sort of show that the recruitment process is very, very delicate, and um, it can be very tricky to navigate, um, particularly when, you know, something as simple as, oh, well, if I don't get a Hilux over a Navara, I'm not going to take the job. That's pretty high stakes, you know. Um, say this was the, the prime candidate for them. Um, you know, they've just spent a lot of time, money and effort on um, trying to get him in and talking to him, you know, drumming up the contract, all that sort of stuff. And that's all money and time lost. Um, they can't get back. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I suppose the take home message here is not to make sure that you only have Hiluxes. <laughs> what, we're, what we're trying to I suppose, get across is, you know, as unjustified as it was, it could have been avoided if, uh, you know, communication was absolutely 
top notch and throughout the process they presented the uh the salary package on offer and said you know this is what we can offer this is the company vehicle this is how many kilometers are on the vehicle yeah um you know because that's a, a common one i hear all the time you know like i don't want to drive around a, a piece of crap that yeah. you know 10 years old and mm. so really sitting down with that candidate and going through it you know this is what's on offer mm. this is every minute detail mm. um and not just offer but the whole process as a whole making sure everything is ticked off every box is covered and then um yeah, making sure that at the end there's not going to be any surprises, basically. Yeah, that's is, right. That's the take-home point. And the biggest thing I see when uh, job candidates fall over is uh, is time. Time mm. is, uh, you know, doing what you say you're going to do uh, in, in keeping people updated and uh, that can be the biggest killer of, of recruitment, I think, is, uh, you know, if, if, if they're supposed to get an offer on a certain day or a certain afternoon, mm. um, then just either do that or let them know that it's not going to be done. Yeah. Uh, even if it's, you know, 12 hours delay, they, mm. they really should be kept up to date. So I think, you know, that that's a really easy fix there uh, is just keeping that communication up and, and talking to the candidates and saying, oh, look, sorry, I know I said uh, we were going to have an offer to you today, but the MDs at something, so, you know, we can't get that signed off or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it looks like, things happen, um, but just keep it, uh, you know, keep it honest, um, talk to the candidate, keep them on the hook and, and engaged in the process and uh, and you'll have a better response from it and you won't lose those candidates throughout that hiring process. Yeah, and I think the analogy that we often use is planting the seed of doubt. Yeah. Um, particularly in our industry um, or industries, being the dealership sectors, candidates are very likely to know someone at that new employer or potential employer um, or, you know, through one way or another, it's very incestuous and they're well aware of someone there. So they're already going to be nervous about putting themselves out there yeah. for fear of it getting back to their current employer. Mm. So you have to keep them happy, engaged, you know, excited, I think is the main point. The moment they're left in the dark and they're wondering, you know, what's the next step or I haven't heard anything, mm. well, then a little seed of doubt gets planted in their mind. Yeah. And then every delay or every minor issue that happens from then on, it's just a little bit of water on that seed. Yeah. yeah. And it just starts to grow. Yeah. And the longer it takes, the more they start thinking about, they overthink every single part of the interview. Right. So I've done this. Mm. Maybe they misinterpreted that. Or I've done that and they misinterpreted that as well. Um, the longer it takes, really, the more sure you are that you didn't nail it. Yeah. You did a bad job and it's because of you. It's like, oh, did they, do they not want me? Are they interviewing other people? Or are they just going to just wait and, and see yeah. if if I'm still available by the time they're done? Like, yeah. And, and then before you know it, you know, you get through that whole process and then suddenly you make a mistake on the uh, the letter of offer and the name's wrong. And rather than them just going back and go, oh, you misspelled my name, can you replace it um, and fix it up and send it back through, which, you know, very trivial thing to do. It's not hard. Yeah. Um, instead, because that seed of doubt's been planted a long time ago and they're already starting to get nervous. They go, oh, actually, I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am. Yeah. Uh, I think I might just stay. Yeah. 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 And that's what we hope to address in this podcast series is uh, overcoming some of those, uh, you know, potential pitfalls uh, for employers and also giving some tips to candidates as well. So we're going to have a lot of that coming up in the in the future episodes. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, yeah, we'll release an episode every week. But um, thanks for listening to the introduction and uh, hope to uh, – have you listening to us in the future. Thank you for listening to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. If you have any questions or you'd like to hear us talk about a particular topic, why not send us an email at podcast at addingfueltothehire.com. 
If you like what we do and would like to support our podcast, please leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. For further information, please visit our website, addingfueltothehire.com.